I'm Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 82 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Welcome back. Welcome back. I know. I know. It's been a bit. We're on weird summer hours. It's a lot of stuff happening right now. I don't know, but I'm okay with that. What's happening for you, Josh? Lots of shows and lots of movies. You know, fun stuff. New yeah. bands. Yeah. First shows. Yeah. Old bands. Other yeah. shows. Yeah. That stuff. Lots of shit. But I, how are you doing, Liam? Well, I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm a little tired. Yeah, a little worn out. Yeah, you're not sleeping so much because of baby stuff, huh? Yeah, she's getting in. Baby came home today. Baby came home today. Baby came home today with a fucking because she had a temperature. She had a, a fever, mm-hmm. and it's because she's getting her molars in. She's getting her molars in. Oh man, Cinepunks! Listen, I know some of our Cinepunks listeners out there are parents. <laughs> Some of y'all are not compassionate to me, and you harass me later because your kids are older. So you're like past this time, so, it's <laughs> so like, it doesn't matter. It's like you know, like on a sports team, there's like the frosh. Uh-huh. I'm assuming I've seen this in movies, right? The freshmen come in, they're new, so they gotta like I don't know, eat shit or whatever, whatever it is they gotta do, carry yeah. jock straps. What do you do for sports teams? Carry jock straps, clean <laughs> athletes' foot fungus out of shit and they got to do all this stuff and when you're free throws and you know the cool kids they feel compassion like oh i feel bad but most of the sports players they're like i remember when i had to suffer instead of feeling empathy for your suffering they exact suffering upon you i'm gonna laugh at your suffering Mm. because i had to suffer and that's where you are some parents are like that they're like oh yeah that must i remember that bowlers that sucks sucks to be you you fucking dick (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's not. I want more niceness. But I, but I will say I'm excited. Okay, about what? Well, we have a guest on today's show. We have a wonderful guest on today's show. Yep, Adriana. Hello, Adriana. I've always said Adriana Gober. Is that, is that how you pronounce your last name? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, we've actually... Adriana is actually our first friend slash collaborator that came into our world via social media. I think. Is that true? Um, it is true. Although we have a number of mutual friends like I, that I knew through the Valley music scene. I feel like I would have met you in real life eventually, but social yeah. media eased that. Yeah. It eased our interaction. My first interaction with you was when we tabled together, when you volunteered selflessly, I might add, to to table with Cinepunks at the Shamley Creek Brewing Com- um, Company, Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah. I- I got to say, uh, big up to a uh, friend of the show, Albert Martin. Yeah, Albert Martin. You wrote... From the Lehigh Valley Horror you, you Club. Wrote, you wrote one thing. I mean, he already knew you, right? Mm-hmm. But you wrote one thing for us. And Albert was like, yo, I think you should just have everything be like Adriana. Like, just have the whole site be whatever Adriana wants to do. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He was like, she's really the future of Cinepunks. And I was like, okay, man. Sure, sounds good. <laughs> It was really funny. He was like really intense about it, and I was like, "Well, that was a really good piece. Let's see." There you go. And then it, it went from like, "Hey, you should write some things," to "Hey, you should help edit." To basically, you are now a teammate. Are you going to get the matching <laughs> tattoo that me and Liam have? Uh, sure. we don't have matching tattoos. We don't we have do, matching. Well, tattoos. we were going to, but that yeah, didn't happen. I'm ready. I already have it drawn up. So, oh, what is it? 
It says Cinepunks Forever and Forever Cinepunks, and it's a flower in a film reel. Jesus Christ. I didn't even know that existed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just Shout about- out to my man's Troy Souters. I was just talking about Philadelphia how we, we, were, we were going to get cross keys tattoos, but then now it has now it's, for me to get yeah. a band called cross keys. Well, the, the band came because of the the tattoo because <laughs> I got it, and That's Andrew true. Andrew Wellbrock, friend of the show and bandmate. Was like, well, rather than getting another tattoo for another band, why don't we just call it one that's already existing on your body? Lo and behold, Cross Keys was it. That's crazy. Here we are. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Adriana, well, you've played in a, a couple different bands, yes, no, maybe? Yeah, I've, I've played in a, in a bunch of different bands, but we didn't really go anywhere. Have you recorded anything? Yes. That's sort of the marker. I think. Yeah, that's, that's the hallmark. I, I guess I shouldn't say that because that feels kind of capitalistic to be like, have you made a product? <laughs> have but, you made a product? Can you be Googled? Yeah, and typically right. you won't be able to be Googled unless you have a recording that exists. So what what, what did you record with? What have you recorded with? Well, I mean, I've, I've recorded jams. Mm. with I, for, for a while, I was playing music up in Kunkeltown, which is in the boonies in the Pocono Mountains. Uh, and I was playing with a bunch of people who were involved in a Grateful Dead tribute band. So that gives you some sense of the kind of music we were playing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and this, the guy had a studio in his shed, so we would record out there. It that was sounds... not super structured. It was just extended jam sessions. Sure. Um, and then the only other band I really recorded anything with was a Danzig and Misfits cover band I was in yes. called Snakes of Christ. So yes. good. Female fronted. Oh, man. That's amazing. That means two people of the three of us in this room have been in Danzig cover bands. And I don't like Danzig, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I like, I appreciate Danzig in a kind of humorous way that I don't understand actual... Like, Danzig? Love? Yeah. Do you not like beautiful vocals? I mean... Or rock and roll? You've already lost me. <laughs> I were already at a different That man can wail, sir. That man can wail. And then um, Adriana will co-sign this. And I since do she's co-sign. The obviously, Cinepunks, obviously. I Although, to be honest, I find Danzig uh, a little inseparable. Well, yeah. But uh, jo- Josh, charm, Josh, though. don't you have a whole cadre now of white dudes you love and hate at the same time? <laughs> yeah, tattooed all over my body. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. You know, I have a Danzig tattoo, right? I did not know that. It is a picture of Glenn Danzig's head from the Henry and Glenn Forever comic book. And he's yelling the word yams, as in the Danzig shopping list. Yams! Yeah. Yams! Yeah. So good. Have you seen the Danzig shopping list on YouTube? Uh, no. We will link it to this episode, and then you can watch it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Right yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty... I am very familiar with Henry and Glenn Forever. Oh, oh it's lovely so book. It's lovely so book. And their neighbors, Hall and Oates. Oh, my goodness. The Satanic. Satanist. It's a hard style, though. Yeah. Hard style. Um, okay. I don't know if we're allowed to say that. I just realized that I heard that through a grapevine that I might not be able to say anything. So you might have to edit that out. I'm sorry, Liam. I I cannot. I wait. just realized I, just now. Like, oh I wait, I don't know wait if that's public knowledge. Edit. I cannot wait to edit that out. What you just said that I won't say what it was. Yeah. But leave in the part where you go. Oh no, I don't know if I can say that because <laughs> then everyone's going to be listening to this episode going. What did he say? What is <laughs> Josh, be awesome. Josh has some sort of secret Dude, service knowledge. It's true. It's true. I got a tweet from Trump. It was weird. He slid into the DMs. I don't know. Don't okay. worry about it. Don't okay. worry about it. Okay. But I'm not done uh, hyping up Adriana yet because right. then also people should know that you write for Cinepunks. Yeah. You also are, at this point, like 
our main editor, I feel like, in the writing section of the website. I mean, big ups to both LB and Joe Yannick, but I feel like you've taken on a lot of it. And though I will still take the title head editor, but that's just because I run the site. Yeah. You but, make the executive decisions. Yeah, but you're doing more of the lifting. And so when people send their stuff in and they're like, oh, I'm so glad you guys got it up and edited whatever, I think you need to give that respect to you. And you've appeared on other podcasts. Like we, you've been on uh, uh, illustrious Eric Roberts is the fucking man. <laughs> you're also working on a new podcast, no? Oh, wow. Are we going to drop that now? Is that not the time to drop it? Okay, I actually have on. no clue what you're talking uh, about. The flight stuff. Oh my god, how could I forget? That's amazing. Dude, so many levels. This is like a jawbreaker of ire. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm only going to say this on this episode because I think Justin Gray has almost done the logo, so I need to check in with him and see. But we'll just say it because if people know it's supposed to exist, then we're more likely to actually do it. So me and Adriana are going to start an Alpha Flight podcast called The Flight Stuff. Copyright. So don't fucking steal our awesome name. That's the coolest name ever, BT Dubs. That Adriana came up with because she's great. It's an amazing name. It's right up your alley too because I'm you, so waiting you for love it. names that are kind of like uh, punny, punny. Yeah, but I'm not just it. a straight pun. It has to be it has to be a germane pun to the story. That's a yeah. reference to something else. Agreed. That's Agreed. your favorite. Yeah, that is my thing. I yeah. love it so much. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So so needless to say, we are truly honored to have you with us on this episode of Sunpunk City. Yeah, and we are really excited to uh, have you join us in our. Um, uh, conversation. Uh, you chose a little movie uh, for us to watch. What is the movie called? Uh, the movie is called Fox and His Friends. Before we jump into Fox and His Friends and our patented world famous thing, we, we do have to do one thing, and that is uh, to thank the good people of the LVAC. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Chris Reject. They are the number one screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but uh, wherever you are, I, and I can tell you this because I do our shitty mail order stuff. <laughs> I uh, not for the label, but for, I send out stuff that we print. We we send stuff to California. We send Everywhere. stuff to tech, all over the country. We're sending stuff. Man. So wherever you are, we will print for you, and we'll do a better job than whatever crappy place you're going now. We'll do it at a better price. It is more professional, and whatever it is you have printed. I'll have to fold it, and the whole time you'll know that I'm unhappy. So if you want <laughs> to troll me, then you need to order with Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. If you if you have any question as to uh, the quality of these fine articles of clothing, you can also speak to uh, Mr. Jeffrey Mitchell of the Modern Hypocrites. Oh, that's true. Who just got a beautiful shirt printed by LVAC. Yep. And if, if you've bought... I mean, I'll tell you what. We, we shipped out shirts to Ice Age. We shipped out shirts to Hears. We mm. shipped out shirts to Mannequin Pussy. If you uh, are buying shirts, uh, you know, from whoever the... Prince Daddy and the whatever the fucks... You are getting LVAC stuff, and the quality speaks for itself. Um, and again, um, every time you order, I uh, question whether I should live or not. So <laughs> you should take this as an opportunity to really push my buttons. Crosskeys did a shirt a with a bunch them. of stuff. That's true. You yeah. should do more. Actually, we did. I, we did our. I only uh, know that because I saw that. Fi- I was sorting through the films in the dark room, and I was like, Crosskeys. What the hell? You're like, hold on. What is this picture of Tallulah Bankhead doing here? It's true. It's true. I had no idea. Half tones, baby. Half tones and thrashing. That's what I'm talking about. All right. All so right. check them out. XLVACX.com. Thanks. All right. It's time for our patented segment. Our world famous. Whacking on track. track. All right. Woo. So 
I would like to go first. Well, you have a million things, I'm sure. I do. I do. So, on track for me. I saw First Reformed. Which you you described as crushing. It was devastating. It was just as much a horror movie to me as the other movie that I saw, Hereditary, which comes out this week. And uh, both of those movies were uh, completely uh, drenched in existential dread. And I enjoyed every moment of it. Both of them were wonderful. So, um, I also saw RBG. Uh, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. That oh, was really how was fun. that? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, it takes a couple turns that uh, I wasn't really sure about, but it's a documentary. It's not like they're writing it, right? It happened. So um, I, I found that to be pretty good, though. Solo, a Star Wars story. I finally saw that one. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's a heist movie. How do you feel about all the negative feedback? I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, those people can I mean, all I, I mean, I get the quiet. feeling I, I, I'm, I'm actually inclined to think I'm not going to like it. But... I don't understand people for whom that that you know what I mean like mm-hmm. there's it's a already heist movie. there's already been multiple Star Wars movies I don't like so this is the Star the Wars idea that there's another one is like not a huge bummer to me this is the Star Wars equivalent of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead <laughs> okay is what it is because this whole movie is related to uh she made the Kessel run less than twelve parsecs uh, that is exactly what this movie is and then so on and so forth but uh, that is what this movie is so. If you like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is dead, this is your Star and Star Wars. This is the movie for you. I also saw Beast. Did you see Beast? Not yet. Beast was really disturbing. <laughs> it was really good. It wasn't. It wasn't so brutal, but it was. It was really well told. It's a very uh, depressing movie, but it's. Uh, it also ends on a note of triumph, which I felt was definitely interesting. Okay. Uh, for such a dour movie. Yeah. Um, I saw Revenge. Okay. Did you see that? Nope. Yes. What do you think? I liked it. I I, I Did think you it love was, it? No. No. I really I really liked it. I think it had the best use of gore I've seen in a film in a yeah. very long time. Yeah, I'd um, agree to that. Very effective, especially one scene in particular <laughs> involving glass, <sighs> which I won't elaborate on because I think people baby should Jesus. just Every time I think about it, experience. it makes my butt cheeks clench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. A lot of people were blown away by yeah. it because they're like, it takes all the tropes. I really thought that the most effective thing about it was the way it was marketed, where basically they just took all the YouTube comments from like toxic males that are like, yeah. why do we need a movie with a lady? Like this kind of stuff. And that was a trailer. Uh, I also saw Oh Lucy, which is a movie from 2017 uh, starring um, Josh Hartnett. And um, it's actually a really interesting movie. This lady is a... Uh, uh, a lady is... She calls her aunt, and her aunt works like this. Uh, she's a Japanese businesswoman, and she's like, "Look, I paid for this English class, but I can't go anymore. You have to go for me." And so she goes, and she ends up like falling in love with the teacher, and then like the teacher disappears with the with the niece, and it turns into this whole thing. It's actually really, I thought it was really charming and interesting movie. Hmm. And um, I also saw last night with uh, our friends from the I Like to Movie Movie podcast, Mr. Garrett, mm-hmm. and uh, the Jinko Jesus singer from. Only Glory, Bruce Park. Mm-hmm. We saw Hotel Artemis, the uh, movie starring um, Jodie Foster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Bautista, and it's about a basically a hotel that takes. It's a hospital hotel thing that takes in criminals who've been injured, sure. and it takes place in the future. And um, I thought it was a pretty interesting movie. There are scenes that's in the trailer where uh, Bautista plays like the orderly and Jodie Foster plays the nurse and he goes you see this name tag I'm a healthcare professional while he's like beating up people and for me given the field of work that I do it definitely resonated with me I'm like mm-hmm, yep I know what that's like I've definitely been there so um, 
yeah, we saw that, and that comes out this week. I thought that was uh, it was an entertaining movie. It's exactly what you need after seeing uh, First Reformed and Hereditary in the theater. You need this popcorn munching summer action flick, and it's totally that. So Zachary Quinto's in it. It's got a really big cast. Jeff Goldblum's in it. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, so those are the movies I saw recently that I really enjoyed. I saw Depeche Mode on Sunday night. Oh yeah. Now, let me tell you a little story. Back in seventh grade. Carusi Junior High School. There was this kid that used to dog me all the time because I listened to Depeche Mode and had a, a Violator T-shirt, and his name was Sang Shin. And I just remember him looking. He was like one of those Asian Korean dudes that like everyone picked on, so then he picked on me, kind of thing. Sure. And I just remember him looking at me in my face and being like, "Hey, Josh, you like Depeche Mode?" And then laughing, and then being like, "That's gay." And I was like watching Depeche Mode, and for a moment, I was like, "Fuck you, Sang Shin." That's my story. <laughs> okay. Fuck that guy. So your whack is that Sanction is alive. That no, that he that Depeche Mode, which is awesome, reminded me of Sanction, which is not awesome. How was I mean I so I assume the show was good. The show was amazing. They didn't play Enjoy the Silence. Wow. Which seems really strange to me because they played everything else. They, they played did. Black Celebration? Uh actually I don't know if they played Black Celebration, but they did play uh Everything Counts. They played mm-hmm. they played um you know, uh, personal Jesus, but then they played some stuff off the new record, which oddly enough, Melanie loves the new record, so I've been listening to the new record a lot lately. So they played Where's the Revolution, like all that stuff, and then some things off the Songs of Faith and Devotion. Sure. Overall, it was a very interesting uh, swath through. But the funny thing is that Dave Gahan looks like John Waters now. But like, oh, because oh, he has that mustache. Yeah, yeah, he looks like John Waters and, and Perry Farrell had a child together. I'm into that. Uh, so. They were really good when I saw them about, oh, geez, when was that? Like seven or eight years ago. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they played Fly on the Windscreen. They whipped out some deep cuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that's my wife and on track. All right. All right. Um, well, I mean, we all know how this goes. I haven't been to shit. <laughs> but I did, okay, I went to one night of Carpenter Weekend. Ah, how was that? That was great. That uh, was at the Mahoning? Yeah, so for those who don't know, the Mahoning is in full gear. Um, I was planning to go to Zombie Fest, but unfortunately, uh, the baby was ill the night before, and I didn't get enough sleep, so I couldn't swing going to a drive-in. But I did uh, manage to go last weekend for Carpenter Fest, and I went the night that was Christine and In the Mouth of Madness. Nice. I've actually never seen Christine. Vampires. So... I had never seen Christine either. That's why I went. Right. And it was great. Yeah. Uh, I will say, um, I love the Mahoning. The it, it looked a little dark to me. I'm wondering if they need mm. to Up repla- the lumens. replace a light bulb or something. But yeah. uh, still, it was fun, and they're always fun, folks. And yeah. when I pulled in, I got a shout out. Word on the, on the so our man did Liam get a shout out or did Cinepunks get a shout out? Uh, Liam of Cinepunks got a oh, shout out. So, so good. Our, our, our man Virgil. Mm-hmm. Is now doing MC duties. You know how. Nice. So basically, they kind of function as a radio station while mm-hmm. they're open. So he's just decided rather than just having the guy say the same thing over and over again, he's going to play DJ and play music and just do his own fucking thing. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. So he was all like, oh, I see Liam coming in. <laughs> By the way, I missed all that because I wasn't listening to the radio. Nice. But that's how Justin Lauren knew I was there. He's like, yo, I heard you got a shout out. I came and found you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, anyways, point being. Yeah, that was fun, um, and then everything else I, I'm gonna hype up is like not going to a thing related because I haven't been to any shows. Right. Um, I did start listening to a new podcast called Well, it's not Axe new. To grind. New to me, 
called uh, Pure Cinema Podcast. Uh, uh, the one of the hosts uh, runs that Rupert Puckin Speets blog, and he's great. And he also does a Just the Disc pod. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't like that one as much. But I like this Pure Cinema John a lot. Um, so I would recommend that highly. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and then I, I, you know, you do know I'm a big Axtergram fan. Right. Uh, on a recent episode, they uh, Pat went on a on a fucking rant about me without you because he really likes me without you, and that was fun for me because they're peoples of mine. Yeah. And then a uh, friend of the show, also real life friend, Clint Kanapka, yeah, texted me was like. Yo, is this a real thing? Like, should I check out me without you? And I was like, Yeah, motherfucker, let's check it out. And he was like, Yeah, I kind of like this. And then I, I, because I was talking to him about it, I was like, Let me put this on again. And you know, when you had a band that you used to love a lot, and you just stop listening to because you move on with your life. Yeah, and it's different because they're friends. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, I also like the band. I just hadn't listened to it in forever. Mm. So like rediscovering something like that. I mean, not all of it hits me as hard as it did when I first heard it. Mm. But some of it, I still love so much, and I kind of was. Not that I expected to hate it, but I didn't expect to put it on and be like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was really into it. So, That's awesome. And then as far as new music, the only thing I wanted to mention was uh, uh, the album isn't out yet, but the Serpent with Feet has put out a number of singles. And I would say if you get a chance to hear those singles or uh, he's released two new videos, especially the one for Cherubim, I found really awesome. So if you get a chance to check that out, definitely check that out. Um, other new music, there's some new stuff coming out. I, I think the new... Three Knee Deep is kind of fun, but stupid. Um, but uh, I don't know. Nothing that I'm like super jazzed on like music wise. Have you heard the new Black Thought that came out? Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you for bringing that up. Let the new me Black say, Thought is so fucking good. That shit is fucking unbelievable. It's he fits so fucking good. So much into six songs, five songs right. than every MC since 2001 has done. He's right. fucking awesome. Oh, I also, this is not new per se, but there's a new collection was put out by Power Trip that was all their early stuff. And I've only heard Power Trip in the album format mm. if you can check out that collection i think it's worth it because a lot of their seven inches are actually like really fucking good which i yeah. guess i should have known oh and related to that see now you just remember yourself uh the impalers put out a live tape and i fucking love them as well so yeah, if you get a chance thing. check that out uh as far as whack just uh teething man teething <laughs> is a fucking stupid thing um we should just be born molars with, baby. we should just be born with fucking teeth the baby si- molars, the system baby. is stupid. You suffer all this fucking shit at a time when you can't deal with it for your teeth come in. Then they just fall out in a couple years anyway. Yeah. So, like, what the fuck? The whole thing is right. stupid. So, teething sucks, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> Adriana, whacking on track. Um, okay. Okay. It doesn't have to be in that order. It can be I'll on do the track on track first. Okay. Go ahead. Um, well, I think it was la- last Friday I saw St. Vincent. With um, Bill Murray? Oh, the band. No, band. I'm, re- I'm referring to Annie Clark. I didn't know if we were talking the about... Robert there's a movie Fripp. called St. Vincent, and there's a band called St. Vincent. No, sorry. I, I, went, I, went, <laughs> I went to see the musician St. Vincent right. in Delaware at the Queen Theater. How's the Queen? Is it cool in there? I've never yeah, been there. it's nice. Yeah? Um, and the acoustics were good. Hmm. Uh, and that was a really great show. She played like at least eight different variations of her signature guitar oh. all different color ways that's awesome including one that was like neon yellow and looks like it glowed in the dark it was great that's unbelievable so good uh, it's like built to her body yeah and she and her her voice was sounding really strong uh 
her brand is really tight. She's been touring with the same band since about like 2012. Nice. Uh, and I'm not I I I'm not too into her new album, mm-hmm. but all of those songs sounded really good live. Like they had a bit more bite and energy to yeah. them and um the guitar was more there was more emphasis on her guitar uh in the in these live arrangements than mm. there than there is on the album where the guitar it, is kind of more bar- buried and processed and you can't it, it, it isn't as prominently featured mm-hmm. um it seemed like there was a lot of theatrics just judging from social media from people that were at that show yeah well there's some there's some light choreography yeah but after after she toured with david byrne in 2012 she kind of caught that whole like the choreography bug and her performances became very structured and and kind of staged yeah um which i'm i'm not too into <laughs> no for her like it, it depends but it was just like a weird there was like a whole energy shift in the, the way she used to perform and how she performs now yeah um like there, there's a lot more artifice now which is not necessarily a bad thing but i mm. just it doesn't resonate with you in terms of the songs. Right. Right. Fair um, enough. And then, but this, but this show was really good overall. Um, and then what else? Um, I've been listening a lot to Cameron Esposito's Query. I love I her. I hear it's so good. It is so good. It's like everything I need right now with all of this shit happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Dude, her and Rhea Butcher are amazing. Yes. I they're love the, they're the, the both of them funniest. so much. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd put Chignataro in there, too. Like, yeah. that's like my trilogy. Yo, the new Tick special is really good. It's so good. It's great. The funny thing is... And her show, One Mississippi, is also really good. Yeah, it's really That good. shit is devastating. Yeah. That new Tig though, on Netflix, mm-hmm. Melania and I saw her workshopping all that stuff, because we caught her, like, three times. Like, oh, sure, sure, sure. It was sure. pretty awesome to see it on the final Not special. the Indigo Girls bit, though, right? Oh, no, yeah, that was in there, but they weren't at the other shows that we saw her, so it was, like, the most, like... Oh, that's so good. That makes so me so uncomfortable. Happy. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, me yeah. So happy. So it was. It was. I didn't think they were going to come out. Oh, maybe we shouldn't spoil that part of the. Whatever. Go on. Jesus, Josh. No, man, dude, it's like a fucking open wound. Right. right. So, wound. so people should check out the. What is it called again? It's called Query. Query podcast. I know she does it, and I know it's on. It just moved to Earwolf, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want. I I wanted to check it out. I just haven't gotten to. And yet. it's on Spotify. Oh, cool. cool. Unlike Cinepunks. Right, right, Fuck right. Because we're punks. Anyway. Fuck you, Spotify. <laughs> How about whack? Anything whack that you've done, Adrian? I never do anything. That is so the best Woo-hoo. answer to that question. I love that so much. That's so great. My life is dope, but I do dope <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not anymore, but you get the idea. No, your life is dope, Liam. You're friends with Adriana. Oh, that's true. Sounds cool. All right, so we're going to take a brief break. My guess is whatever song you're about to hear, Adriana picked. So if you don't like it, you know, tweet her. What is your Twitter again? It's uh, EADXBB, which is an alternate guitar tuning favored by Ricky Wilson of the B-52s. So I keep forgetting it. I keep trying to put in Jeer the Lights. Right. That was a Morrissey lyric. And I I really just could not. I I, I couldn't bear having a Morrissey related Twitter handle any longer. I had to change it. Understandable. (laughs) I hear you, man. Yeah, hear you. it's tough. All right. I mean, mine mine used to be Irish blood, English dick, and then I thought <laughs> I gotta Damn. change it. I gotta change it. Very uh, pertinent to our discussion at hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, when we come back, <laughs> we're gonna talk about uh, uh, Fox and his friends. Yep. Uh, directed by Reiner Werner Fossbinder. 
Werner, I'm cool with. I think I've gotten cool with Fossbinder. But Reiner, I'm, I'm, every time I'm going to want to say Rainer, but it's not spelled yeah, the same. it's Reiner. It's just I'm used to saying Rainer. I'm just going to let Adriana say it every time I have yeah, to. Yeah, I get that. Okay, uh, we'll be right back. After the break. So I have this idea, and I'm just going to tell you guys about it right now because I think it's so stupid, but I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. In the near future, you know, when the concepts and sayings from this time are read by future New Yorkers, I imagine a conversation between two dudes in a pizzeria in New York, and the one guy goes, hey, you know what they say, tomato, tomato. And then the other dude goes, tomato, tomato? They say that? It's like, yeah, I read it. It was from like the early, you know, 2000s. People said it all the time. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> hey, you know what they say? Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Just because. I can't stop thinking about it. It's so funny to me. I can't stop thinking about it. I just imagine the two of them, just the one guy being like, tomato, tomato? When did they say that? Look, it's 2050. All right? I don't never heard that. 
And then the other guy's like, but, I read but it in a book. You, you mean primarily because they won't have tomatoes anymore? Because uh, yeah, well, climate, because you know the climate, climate change, so and so, so much. Forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, dude. Uh, all right, let's let's do this. So uh, this episode, so we're back. <laughs> we're back to talk <laughs> about. Uh, let me get this right because you just said it, Adriana. No, how about we let Adriana say it? Oh yeah, you say it. Good, you say it's so good. Say Go his ahead. name. Reiner Werner Fossbinder. Foss wow. Fossbinder. His film Fox and His Friends. Now, Josh. Okay. Did you know anything about Fossbinder going in? I did not. And let's talk about this for a minute. Like, what were who were his contemporaries when in the seventies and eighties? Like, I imagine it was like Vim Vendors. Yes. Werner Herzog. You like, just named two of them right there. Yeah, they were sort of part of this wide wider cinematic movement mm-hmm. in Germany called the New German Cinema. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And which admittedly I am not super familiar with. I only no. know about it because I'm familiar with Fossbinder and Vim Vendors and uh, Herzog. Herzog. Well, I mean, like around that time, there were. This is this is a couple years before Wings of Desire. This is like '75. So for Vim Vendors, this is what era for him? I don't know either. If only we had computers in our pockets. Um, that could... I believe it's around the time he was making like, The American Friend. I oh, could be wrong. Right. I think that's right. Well, I mean, I'll just straight up say this entire... As someone who has watched many uh, Werner Herzog movies mm-hmm. and who has watched a few, not a lot, but a few Wim Wenders movies, mm. I still feel utterly ignorant of this time period because yeah. of course the Herzog that I'm most exposed to is later Herzog with only right. a few early Johns that you hear about I mean if you haven't seen Fitzcarraldo go see fucking Fitzcarraldo yeah, like Fitz that's Carraldo just a thing but like Nosferatu but if you talk to someone they're right? like like even if you were talking to someone about film and they're like oh I really love you know Aguirre the Wrath of God Fitzcarraldo I really love you know uh, Nosferatu mm. that actually doesn't make you a fucking Werner Herzog fan because there's so many cuts beyond that yeah. like there's so much like under that you have to be really into Werner Herzog to claim that you're a Herzog fan and I kind of feel like that's the same way with Fassbender like I don't really think anyone's just a casual observer of Fassbender movies I don't know I, 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 I don't know what do you think I mean I, all of this was just meant to lead into the question that I wanted to ask you to start us off, Adriana, which is like, why, you know, for those of you who don't know, when we invite a guest on, we we, we ask them to pick something. Mm. Most people are cool with that. Sometimes we need to pick for someone because they're just like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but when we asked you, you were like, Fox and his friends, this is what we're doing. Here it is. Why that? What, what was it that made you want to start there? And what is it you think people should know before we jump into the meat about this movie? Oh boy, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, okay. Just start with yourself. Why? Did, why this? Yeah. Like, well, how did you come into Fassbender? Yeah. Um. Good question. Uh, I think I I learned about Fassbender because people like John Waters, who mm, I really sure. love, yeah. talked about him a lot, and he was a filmmaker that was re- who was referenced free- frequently by filmmakers that I really respected. Uh, so that just piqued my curiosity on on like a on a secondary note when you reference john waters did you ever notice watching john waters movies he always references like okay so he's like the king of trash right but he always references things like fassbender and buñuel and like all these like strangely high-minded cinematic things do you ever notice that about him like yes i have and i think it's really really funny like if you watch like the eat your lipstick stuff and like all that earlier like the eat your makeup eat your makeup yeah he he talked when when 
when I saw it, he was it was during the uh, when he did the residency in New York at the museum there. When he was doing they were they're doing all the nights of the movies. Right, at the Lincoln Center. Yeah. And he talked about it. And it was really, really interesting to hear all these like strange but anyway, it's only funny because you're right. I do remember him talking about Fassbender then too. And I just think that's part of why we love John Waters, which is not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> no, you but this is it's it, we are both in a territory where we don't know a lot about uh, Fassbender. Yeah, so but it's like tangentially attached to things that we know things yeah, about. Yeah, so it's easier to be like, yeah, let's talk about John Waters, <laughs> you know, because it's like I know about John Waters, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, part of your finding Fassbender was following the trail sort of left for you by other filmmakers, but clearly you've dug in at least a little bit. What what sort of drew you to his films? Um, well, I find Fassbender's films compelling not only for the way he really digs into social issues in a very uh, brutally honest way, uh, which earned him no shortage of criticism, not only from his ideological enemies, but also from people within his own in-groups, uh, just because he got a little bit too close to the bone. Um, uh, but also for the way he's both deeply empathetic and viciously critical of his characters and yeah. their choices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and which I just think creates a very interesting tension in his film. Um, and often he's he's a filmmaker whose who's work becomes even more interesting the more you learn about his personal life because he is someone who puts so much of himself into his films and there's always these little autobiographical de details if you know what to look for and that's very much true of Fox and his friends. Um, and, and the other thing I find really fascinating about his films is that like John Waters who had the Dreamlanders he had this group of like mainstay actors who he met as a playwright and theater director in Munich. They were part of his anti-theater group. That's what it was called. Uh, so he, he had these stable of actors who not only acted uh, in many of his films throughout the course of his career, but they also served secondary roles as assistant directors, as set designers, as costume designers. Everybody shared responsibility. And, you know... uh a lot of these people had very turbulent relationships with Fassbinder because he he had a reputation for being kind of a tyrant, mm. but they kept coming back because, you know, obviously they believed very strongly in the art they were creating and they could come together and put whatever differences they had aside to do what was needed to create this beautiful art. And so there's just all these different elements of his work that draws me in and that I... I, I I find really cool. Um, and then uh, regarding this movie specifically, why I wanted to talk about it. Um, I like movies where straight people are in the minority. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah. when I saw this, I was absolutely blown away that it was made in 1975. Mm. And it was this film where everyone is gay, but their problems were not a result of their homosexuality it was incidental mm -hmm. and that was just not something i saw a lot of 
in films when I when I saw this movie I was this is like I was in high school mm-hmm. well yeah wow. and it's a variety of experiences right like that mm-hmm. the, be, by making the central issue class yes. and we'll get into talking about what the movie is actually about in a second but mm-hmm. uh, by making the central issue class you can then show a variety of experiences that are all within this umbrella of uh, the homosexual experience in Germany at this time and still show a variety of people who are different, who are in tension with each other, mm. as opposed to like a lot of... Over uh, like a polarized like gay, yeah, straight well, Yeah, story. a lot yeah. of movies that I, I can think of where there might be the story because the focus is the fact that there are gay... Like, the movie is about the fact that some of these people are gay. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, those folks end up being sort of congealed together a little bit more mm. because they're in tension with all the straight characters who oftentimes are the majority of the film. Right. And right, they're just, right. it, that's what the movie's about. In this if film, anything, there's only one incident in this movie that stems right? from the homosexuality and it's the apartment thing. And some part of me is kind of like, I don't, still don't know if that was real only yeah. because the it, dude it, is such a work. Okay. We should talk with this about. Okay. This yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Josh, yeah. do you want to say a little bit, uh, summarize what is, what is this movie about? What, so this movie is about a working class German dude. A German homosexual who is uh he wins a lottery right he, he yeah well he's a before that he's before a, that he's, he's, a, he's a carny basically yeah he, he works as Fox the voice right or Fox, Fox the, the head, speaking head the speaking head yeah. yeah and he works with his boyfriend. boyfriend who gets arrested in the first scene for tax evasion right and uh then he's just kind of off on his own and he gets he, he he well he meets this older gentleman right he's basically trying to get Money. money. He's trying to scam money. He's so, trying to turn a trick so he can get money to get this lottery ticket. He's very right, right, right. obsessed with getting a lottery ticket, and he just feels like today's the day. I almost got the feeling that because everything else had gone wrong, he's like, "This yeah, is the he's day like, this is the day." The like, he talks to his sister, and it's, yeah. it doesn't paint a very good picture. Mm-hmm. It's they're dour and poor, you know, this kind of working class, you so know, reality. He ends up scamming uh, ten marks off, off of, of a uh, gay florist. Yep, and uh, he gets to the. Shop at the last minute, he gets his ticket, and then we fast forward. They don't even it, show him winning. <laughs> no, it's like a month later or something. Yeah, yeah. I just want to, s- to speak to that point. There are several important things that happen in this film that we do not actually see. We yeah. only learn that they happened after the fact, which it's I find. So a, I just think it's just, a very interesting creative decision. Creatively, it's just such a weird way to weave a narrative to me because it felt completely jarring when it's like, oh, he's rich now. You know what I mean? It was yeah, like he's just at this party, and they're like. Why is this scum bucket here? Yeah, like with his leather jacket. He's like at this gathering with the same gentleman, mm. Max, and, and Max. Uh, with Max, and everyone Ooh. is judging him. And Max is like, "Oh, well, he won the lottery. He won half a million marks." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the conversation. Well, they're still a little judgmental, but it changes it a little it, bit. Yeah, it, it gets softer. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to say that Max is played by Carl Heinz Bohm, who is in he's the killer in Michael Powell's Peeping Tom. Oh yeah, no that's why he looked familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, that that totally vacant, icy stare yeah, that he yeah. has down so well. Yeah, and this wow. movie is like the same. He's the same thing going on in that in that film as well. So one of the gentlemen, what now? What is so the he dude's up, name? Uh, which you, Eugene Eugen. Eugen, which is I think German, the German version of Eugene. Right. So basically, Eugen, who is one of the people judging him, is suddenly interested in him, and they begin a relationship. And Eugen is there with his boyfriend, who isn't uh, Franz, isn't right? Isn't and, Fox? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Philip is is his boyfriend's right. name, and he is uh, he like owns a like a clothing guy. shop. Yeah. 
And the whole thing, I mean, I don't know how y'all felt. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me let me just say, uh, their relationship goes on. People kind of his sister kind of warns him about this, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm not you know spoilers. Over you're time, spoiling a movie from 1975. Exactly. Over time, yeah. Every time you get you, you wait. How do you say? Oigen. Oigen basically takes all Fox's money through various means, mm. and then but Fox is still him. like deliriously in love with him. Yeah, for the most part, till you know, eventually so, things fall apart. Yeah, and he tried. He tried to get his like okay, well, but he's already lost the apartment. He's, he's lost he's the lost money. The money that he loans him for the thing. So basically, he helps him with his business and him and his dad. He helps. Yeah, him. I yeah. feel like we should explain the situation so that maybe listeners could have a better understanding of like how Fox's demise comes about. Because so, uh, Oigen's father owns a book binding right. business that is having, like, some pretty bad liquidity problems. Mm. So Fox says... He gives Franz says, yeah, he's, like, 100,000 Deutschmarks. Yeah. And says, okay, I'm I'm giving this money to you with the understanding that I'll get it back and I will have some stake in the partnership with the company. And so they go and see one of Eugen's friends who is a lawyer. Yeah. And he draws up this contract. And as this is happening, the audience is very much aware of how much of a sketchy situation it is. Right. But also um, how much Fox doesn't really understand what's right. happening. I mean, the look on his face is just... It's horrible. Yeah, it's agonizing well, to watch. Well, I don't think he can read it, right? Like, the guy even no. says, like, you know... He's like, shows yeah. it to Why shows the part it? to yeah. him. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, I say all that... I, I only rushed it a little bit because I wanted to get back to... Did y'all feel like... I felt like... Oigen was fucking scamming from from the jump from the absolutely set. he was yeah. he 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 saw Franz and he saw you know there, there's a there's a there's a bit when they first meet where Max is talking with that lawyer guy I cannot mm. remember the character's name and his wife and he says you know Franz is not the kind of man money can make rich and so Eugen essentially sees Franz as this easy mark that he can take for everything he's worth uh i she then does yeah, which he does and i think it's clear from the outset that he he did not have any gen- genuine feelings for no. franz which is yeah. like uh reinforced by how badly he treats him throughout the right. entire film yeah. yeah uh but i mean it, you could you could tell the same story and play it off like um less intentional like he's taking his money but it's just sort of how things are but I feel like the film is very direct, like, from the get. Like, this dude is a fucking scammer. Yeah. Which, side note, I don't know what things are like in Germany, but the irony of a film in which a rich dude scams a carny is yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, my whole image of carnies... Is that they're all street smart and that yeah, they're and that they're out there and they're, they're going to fucking the work you and you're a mark. Yeah. And, you know, Fox is lovably innocent in a way. I mean, he's a little abrasive at times, but... He's there's a charm to him, and um, he he seems to me, and I don't know if this is meant to be real or if it's meant to be he's too naive to realize, but he seems to have genuine feelings. That yeah. it's not yes. like I mean, some of those feelings I think are motivated by insecurity. No, there's, but then like the scene where he was defending his drunk sister right, at the party, right? That's genuine. You can right. tell that he is the the genuine article. Right. And I feel like there are many scenes throughout the movie, even when he scammed the $10 off the florist, 
even right. when like you know he takes his sock off to give the money that then gets blown away by the wind like all that stuff in the beginning yeah and then like just <clears throat> throughout the movie you you get a sense that he as a character doesn't change except for when he's like i want my old life back right or my old me wants to well i th- i think there's like a big there's like a theme in this film which is sort of that if you if you try to change yourself mm-hmm. through money or by trying to date above your station. above your station like you can't do that and you're going to be punished for it like so there you know that song smoke gets in your eyes yes there's that line about uh a one day you will find those who love are blind that mm. could serve as like the major philosophical linchpin of so much of Fassbender's films. And so I think that I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, well, it seems like you're saying that uh, the, the message here, because the question I had all right, is that, is this a film about the nature of love? Yes. You can only love certain kinds of people or love a certain, or is it a film about the nature of class? I feel like class I think it's is both. the central part. I, I think, think it's Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's love in a tale of class. It is, and it's about how love love is the ruination of us all. Like that's mm. because Franz is so naive and because he feels so deeply and he allowed himself to be taken in by this man, mm-hmm. that that is that's the reason why he winds up dead. Like mm-hmm. there there is this like recurring theme in Fassbender's films where where people who suffer are on some level complicit in their suffering. Mm. Fair mm. enough. That mm. they built their own. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, so. Okay, so this is a good place then to sort of connect for me because as I'm watching this thing, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Well, what were your thoughts when you were watching it? Were you into it? Were you... So let's start with um, one of the things we haven't said yet that I think is worth saying is that Fox is Fossbender. Yeah. Which is... That he lost weight to play this role. I mean, of- just the fact that my man puts himself in this... It's, it's a... It's so. It would be so easy to play Fox as a fucking like. Yes, in some ways, there's a doofy quality to him. He's a goofus in some ways, but is goofus be really, German for doofus? The point being is that <laughs> you could play it so off the wall. Like you yeah. could play it so like he's a fucking drooling dingbat. Yeah, you uh, could go. But with- you could also play him as this totally innocent, totally sweet like. If, if in order for Fox to work, Fox has to be b- real and believable and like mm-hmm. a real person. And a real person is neither one thing or the other. And mm-hmm. and so like Fox at times, you're like, why are you doing that? Like, in other words, and this sort of goes back to something you said at the beginning, Adriana, that like he manages to play Fox. I mean, he directs the film, but to also be the actor of the film as a uh, Fox's charming for me in a very real way mm-hmm. but so flawed that there are times where I'm like no fuck don't oh, god damn it like I'm getting mad at him like yeah. I'm mad at him but you're mad at him because he's an innocent and that's the whole thing about this movie I feel like the whole trick of the movie is that you know it's a tragedy you know going in that this isn't going to end well 
This is a whole sort of Damocles scenario. <laughs> and the whole time you're just waiting for it. And that's what makes it so affecting, right? Mm. Because you are watching this man go down that he you, this can't end well. So and and his innocence is what makes you buy into caring that this shit is going awfully. Mm. Which in my mind as I was watching it I was like that is masterful filmmaking. Yeah. Because in order to to get a viewer invested, especially considered 1975 Germany, you know, I can't imagine right. it's the most progressive part of time for that place. I'm just saying, you know, watching a movie like this and, and considering that, you know, in my preliminary research for this movie, I, I, I looked up Fassbender's life and, you know, he died when he was 37. He has something like he had an amazing amount of credits. To yeah, his like name. A, about 44 films. And he like many did plays. cameraman stuff. And yeah, he produced. Which to me, you know, and and then you die by drug abuse, and when you're 37 years old, that is the sign of a person who is very clearly manic depressive, right, and bipolar. So taking, I mean, granted, I was doing my research at work because I was using computers there because that's where I am for 40 hours a week. But anyway, so I was surrounded by psychiatrists, and I was like, "You guys think this sounds funny?" And then I read it off, and like the one doc that I was with was like, "What do you think that sounds like?" And I was like, "It sounds like he's a manic depressive doc." He's like, "That would have been my assessment." So yeah. So I like how you just patted yourself on the back for your amateur I'm fucking, fucking diagnosis. Yo, man, I'm saying like, I didn't just like... learn how to beat up crazy people. Anyway, <laughs> not important. Not important. Anyway, but when you watch this movie with that context, you realize that he does have this odd valuing of this innocent lamb to slaughter hmm. kind of thing. At least it was, I mean, maybe it's because this is the only Fassbender movie I've seen. And <laughs> the research right before I watched it was that. But it seemed very obvious to me. Hmm. But I, I, I guess for me, though, it's not totally that. Because if he was too innocent, too scrubbed clean, it would become farcical. Like, he still has to be a real person. Yeah. And he and, definitely and, has and claws, be, for yeah, sure. And to be fair, he's definitely, like, basically a criminal. Like, he, like he's still a carny. But what I love about that is... And again, maybe Carney means something else in Germany. Maybe you would go to a carnival in Germany and you're like, these are the most upright people in the world. But the vibe I get is this is a movie about a dude who maybe should know better in some way, mm-hmm. who gets utterly fucking worked by these rich assholes. And it's yeah. not, again, it's not just fucking uh, Eugen. <laughs> It's all of his buddies. Philip's yeah. getting some cash. Yeah, they get in Max on it. They all benefit from it. Everyone Boy, gets the dad. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, the family. I think the family is the worst part Dude, because those scenes are horrible. Every dinner, it's not. It's not just the uncomfortableness of realizing like the all the shit they're putting on him, all the yeah. expectations and all that. It's also, I feel like the dad from jump understands what's happening right now. That yeah. the dad knows that they're working this dude and that he's a fool. Yeah, and that there's a certain uh, that that I think, regardless of the moral turpitude of the father, mm-hmm. he's at least uncomfortable with what's happening. I don't think at any point he's like, "This is great. This is exactly what I want to be doing right now." I think he is uncomfortable, but too, but not um, strong enough or right enough or a good enough person to stop it. My thought though is that when he gets angry. At Fox for messing up the printed magazine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that shows that no, <laughs> he's not weak. He's mm. really a dick. 
Oh, definitely. Well, he's, he's definitely. I mean, like, yes. and he has no qualm about it. Like to me, that is like one of the most morally corrupt scenes in this movie. He saved the company, and then he makes the one mistake, and the dude is ready to fucking kill him. Well, and also, they have insurance anyway. Yeah. So they just got the insurance. So and then it's like, they, the dude's like, oh, well, you owe me for the mix-up. Yeah. No, yeah. Fuck, man. But the dad is complicit in this entire work. I feel. Oh, definitely. There but... are no good people in this movie except for Fox, in my thought. Um, and even he is flawed. You know, like... They're... I don't know if that's true. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with... What's his old boyfriend's name? Klaus. Klaus. Klaus seems all right. The tax evader who goes to jail for yeah, most of the that. movie? Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> Evade I'm just saying, though, want, dude. I get it, but well, I feel like that comes undone at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because he doesn't help him. That's true. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's in cahoots with Max. Yeah, they're discussing they some kind of shady look- business transaction on the escalator or the stairs, whatever sure. it was. And then uh, when they find him lying there dead, <laughs> they they just they skedaddle out of there. Yeah, they, they're like, I don't want to have any part of this, and they're whoop gone. Mm. Great dude. Um, but I don't know. Tax evader. What about what about the the regulars at the Black Orchid? I was gonna say the the bar people seem fine to me. Yeah, I I like okay. them a lot, and like so. They, the, I don't know. I kind of feel like they were functional as opposed to actual characters. Like they were there to prove, or at least to show who he was before. Kind of, but it, I feel like, like, like they a, also serve as a contrast to the up the sort of like upper class. Yeah. Mm. Socialite. The, the parties Characters. that he goes to. Yeah. Well, and it makes it seem like it's not just... It makes it clear that the it's not just Fox. Like, the it, it, without them, the movie could become the world is a certain way, but Fox just doesn't fit the world. Right. Exactly. And with those characters, you see, no, Fox no. is already part of a yeah. world where he yeah. functions very well. It's his found family. Yeah. And they ha- very much have their own sort of culture within that, that bar circle. community. Yeah. Um. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like they're they're there to be the juxtaposition to where he is. In so terms you're saying of the more fleshed out characters, no one's good. You don't know anybody in that bar, do you? Like you, you know what I mean? Like I see, I feel like I, I saw I felt, enough when of I saw, them. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like it seems like such a small part, mm. you know. And but necessary. Here's the thing: this movie has a two hour and seven minute runtime. But I don't feel like there's any chaff. Like I feel like Absolutely. every single detail seems meticulously put there, despite how explosive they seem. It seems all on purpose. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and so that's why I kind of feel like like the the florist. You know what I mean? Like he punches the florist in the face and all that stuff. And like, dudes, you don't know anything other than that dude is like a florist that he stole the money from, and then is like fucking an asshole later, right? Like you don't really know anything about him. Hmm. Is he an asshole, though? No, I don't think he no, was an asshole. Not an asshole, but no, he was I think, actually. I think Franz had an later. overreaction. Okay, I'll give you that. He like comforts him later on when the when the, yeah um, when the Americans and all the, that the soldiers want to know how much he pays. Yeah, how much are you going to pay us to fuck you? And he's like, <laughs> well, and I think what's that moment is so interesting to me because it. Uh, it could have been played for maybe even a little bit of like uh, humor, you know, in the sense of mm-hmm. like, oh man, I I should be getting. I used to turn tricks, and now they want me to pay for sex. Mm-hmm. But instead, in that moment, I didn't feel that. What I felt was more of this like, uh, um, my world has shifted, and yeah. I'm in a different place, 
and it's this is a small thing. It's not the end. This one details at the end of the world, but it's one more reminder that I'm not where I want to be. If you anything, know? it makes a magnification of his yearning. That was what I resonated mm. with in that scene, that he wanted to be Fox. Hmm. And that whole scene just goes to kind of show that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. that's and, how it, And he's denied in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's denied in finding that. So it seemed the most nascent emotion that I had was this yearning, this sadness of not, not being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and I feel like this sense of, you know, when he is starting his relationship with, with Eugen, mm-hmm. his attitude is very much like... Um, I can be with whoever I want. I can do whatever yeah. I want. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, sexy. You know, mm. people want to fuck me. I want to fuck them. This is going to be great. What did he say? <laughs> that the, the the proletariat is more potent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems yeah. so great. Yeah. Man. When the, yeah. But but I bring that up to say, um, and I think this goes along with what Adriana was saying, that um, the movie's almost saying, like a, like a, like a story to say, like, no, you you can't actually just be with whoever you want that's not actually real yeah, yeah. and and not for moral reasons at all but because there's a whole section of the world that has its own rules and its own way of being and you're gonna get eaten up mm. side note i love how his sister yeah who is other who's one of only a couple female characters in the whole movie yeah is basically the oracle of the movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Like everything Hedvig. that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hed- Hedvig is letting him know like, what's up. This is how this is going to go. Yeah, from Rip. Yeah. The only part where... I mean, even though she's very mean to him the whole film, mm-hmm. the only part that I felt kind of frustrated with her was when she sort of pushes him too hard at the end mm. uh, because I knew he was going to run off. Like, at that point, you yeah. kind of know that's going to... But I think she also knows... You know what I mean? Like, that's why it was kind of powerful when she's shouting after him. Because mm-hmm. you kind of get the feeling like she knows. she's broken, Yeah, but that doesn't mean she really wants to hurt him, you know? Yeah. yeah. What else were you thinking about this? About um, this? What did you guys... I was, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. No, I just ahead. wanted to add to something you were saying earlier about... Um, the, the way the film seems to be saying that you can't you can't date whoever you want not for moral reasons but because of the structures put in place yeah. by society and something i find interesting is that like the, the the film speaks further to that in in the sense that you have these men who belong to a marginalized community right. and they are further marginalizing somebody within their own community using right. uh the oppressive system that they exist within. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the idea seems to suggest too, like not only that they're recreating those patterns, but that actually, um, uh, that they, I, I feel like Oigan has done this before. Yes. I get that impression mm. very much, especially with how it, it's, it seems like it, they were following a playbook, like a strategy book. Like everyone yeah. knew exactly how to game, Franz, all of Oigen's friends, all of his family. Uh, it, you know, it's almost like these these people are entirely soulless, mm-hmm. and and they basically exist only to be mm. leeches. Well, and it, this is like this entire indictment of Fassbender's thesis, right? Like that's the whole. I felt like that was the whole thing. Like, yo, rich people suck. That's yeah. like more or less. Yeah, the one line. 
Again, I again I, I eat the rich. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to project too much, but but you know, by having the opening scene be the arrest, reg- regardless of whether he's a good character or not, the opening scene is this criminality thing where it's like Fox is immediately placed within this marginal community. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of his sexuality, though that's part of it. But because but like, he's a carny. He, he's a carny. He lives on yeah. the outside. He's <laughs> they're able to just interrupt them and arrest him, and that's just who they are, and that's just yeah. life. And um, the fact that if if I came to your again, uh, if you are a listener to this and you're German and you want to let me know the society's not like this in Germany, fine. But my evaluation is if you go to someone and you say, okay, there's a bunch of fucking carnies on the edge of town. And I'm nervous about it. And you say, or you say, there's a bunch of rich people on the edge of town, and I'm nervous about it. The carny resonates that we are taught that these marginal folks, mm-hmm. these people the on the edge, are they're the threat. And then the movie's like, okay, this guy who is part of this community that you are willing to persecute for all kinds of reasons because you just want them to go away and you don't mm-hmm. trust them or whatever, he's a fucking innocent lamb compared to the bookbinder. By the way, yeah. one of the most boring fucking jobs you could have. Yes. These people are sharks. Yeah. And they they are they are adept at manipulation and at um taking what they need. Right. What were you going to say? I kind of feel like I'm cutting you off. Um I was going to say th- like so What were you just saying? About the book about the No, before the bookbinder, um Oh, you were talking about how 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 Franz is the innocent lamb and you know the people who we we are sort of conditioned to trust implicitly are actually the real vipers. But the other thing is interesting is um I get the sense that in a strange way Franz is actually more cultured than these other people mm. because he has genuine taste and likes and right. it's it comes from within yeah. it's just his intuition or whatever but uh Eugen, he likes what his parents like he likes right. what he knows is supposed mm-hmm. to be a refined taste and it's totally empty and and devoid of any real authenticity well and i think that's hammered home right by the the brilliant sort of rejection of the furniture you know they have yeah the, uh, dramatic scene and then he's like we have to get rid of all this ugly ass furniture <laughs> like it's so <laughs> that he demanded yeah Franz spend all of his money on to get all this furniture yeah but that was just to give max money like the you right. know what i mean like exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the idea that and it's, the clothes it, was to give philip money and the idea what, that it's all guys, a series guys, of like sorry the idea that it's all just a series of uh posing and, and works performance yeah. and um positioning that 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 there's nothing there from the top to the bottom i mean it's not even really clear uh with the business end like what the fuck is this business and like the fact that like they almost closed because one i mean imagine running a business where one of your customers could just go Nah, we're not gonna pay. <laughs> and you're like, well, then we're fucked. Like, damn, we're going down. Yeah, guys. we, we Here got it is. This is it. This is the yeah, end of the yeah, road yeah, yeah. for us. <laughs> like, it's they, brutal. They, they, you know that that at no level is there anything there to any of these people. Yeah, and I think you're right that like, um, uh, Fox might not be educated in the ways that these folks are, but he's worldly. But he's, he's very not, much himself. Though. Yeah. 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 Well, he's aware of who he is, and he—that's what I was getting at. Well, but I, in that way, 
his i mean so with any tragedy right there's some flaw that causes our character to be in this situation some right. hubris or whatever it is it seems like fox it's the amount to which he is allowing them to cause him to question himself that mm. leads him down this path yes and and the more he, and more he questions himself the unhappier he becomes right. because he also on some level i think he is craving he has this he has this desire to be loved and and to and and to have the uh what's the word i'm looking for the approval of Eugen. Yeah. And, and and he's just chasing at the entire movie and never gets it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder to which to what extent sex plays into this, right? Like, wh- the way we're presented with Fox is that for him, um, sex is like, it's just, uh, it has no huge import to it it's like right. we could fuck we could not fuck mm-hmm. whatever it's like a transaction do, or let's we could do it we could not do it it's it's whatever it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. and then in a in a interaction in which it felt i mean their whole scene the beginning part where they go home mm-hmm. it in a lot of ways felt like fox was still in control yeah but it's so easy for oigan to like turn, turn that yeah. and I, it almost felt like the movie was trying to say something about sex without more at no point do we think fox is doing a wrong thing in a traditional moralistic christian sense yeah the fucking is not the problem right no. the fact that he thinks he can fuck whoever and it won't affect him or he can do whatever and it, that's uh, the problem that's, and that's the his problem. downfall yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah there's something about that that i think is hard and that's what, what? i mean oh i'm sorry go ahead I, that's what i that's what i mean also about him being complicit in his own right, demise right. because there's so many there's so many instances instances in this movie where he's just like making bad decisions yeah. Yeah. and it's out of naivety or i don't know even hubris like, uh, almost compassion though right like, yeah most of the mistakes that he makes are out of a good yes. place like he wants to help yeah so but, but again he also there, feels like he can't i, I think, I, it's, I think there's a kind of compassion that is hubris. Yes. Right. There's a kind of compassion that doesn't ever stop and go, no, I don't fucking trust you. Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. just so many moments in this movie f- where I feel like he know, like, at least the way that uh, uh, Fossbinder is playing the character, there are multiple moments where he knows the look on his face fucking tells the audience, I don't actually trust what's happening right yes. now, but I feel like it's wrong for me not to trust. I feel like it's right. wrong for me not to. I feel like the entire Marrakesh scene is exactly this point right. when they go to when they go to Marrakesh and and you know they try to take the guy back to the hotel and he's like, "I pay the bills, I pay the money, I can do whatever I want," yeah. and the guy's like, "Not in this hotel." That's like the whole right. nexus of this entire point. I feel. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. That it's not just about. The uh, idea that he is being loose with his love and his compassion, which he is. Mm. But it's also the idea that um, he doesn't realize simply having money doesn't take away, which, you know, we've already kind of mentioned, but the the film really gets into that, that like his money is just there for them to take it from him. Yeah. And he doesn't have the know-how to navigate that world per se. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, what the magic of the movie is that even though we see that about him and we get frustrated with him, we're still endeared with him. Yeah. We still still care about him. him. We're still committed to what he's doing. At no point, at least for me watching it at no point 
do we lose it? And we're just like, fuck yo, this, fuck this fuck guy. This idiot. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the hell? No. Which, it's like the whole time I'm pulling for him and I want him to win. Which again, is a real testament to Fossbender's performance yeah. in the film. He is He brings such like this pained innocence and vulnerability yeah. and earnestness yeah. to the character. But again, I also think it's a, it's Fassbender's direction in this movie. Well, yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I mean, granted, if you're directing yourself, you know exactly what you're thinking, so you can do the thing, right? But I think the masterful thing about this movie is creating this um, this miasma around the one innocent character and still having him be dirty but clean. You know what I mean? Like, that was the one thing that I was like, man, he is walking in a toilet bowl right now, this guy. And he's still clean to a degree. Yeah, I guess to the extent that, like, he, Which I think is a difficult thing to pull off as a filmmaker. He, clean in the sense that he never gets uh, bitter. I mean, until the end, which yeah. is, like, his tragic death, he, like, never tries to, like, fuck them. He never yeah. tries to, never, like, yeah. do some sort of Even bitter revenge. Even though he says thing. it at the, when, he, when, when he finds out about how he's not getting the 100,000 uh, Deutschmarks back, when he's, like, going to burn everything down. It's like yeah, you know right he's now. not gonna follow through with that. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know he's. It's not an empty threat. Yeah, and you know when he says it, and that's again masterful filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's and also brutal. I don't know if you noticed, but even even after death, people are still taking his money. Yeah, yeah, the two kids. Yeah, that was some that is yeah brutal shit, man. The kids at the end was like harsh. It's, yeah, I'm still processing that part because there's some part of me that's like. That's just too much. That's yeah, just, that was very we just over really the, over fucked the top. over this yeah. character. That's that's Fassbender for you. I, I, but having him play that character, but then also the music at that scene is so jaunty. Yeah, it's so weird. No, but I wonder if part of the reason, um, part of the reason we can watch this and not feel like Fassbender is being too cruel to the character is because he is the character. Yeah, and yeah. I think he was very much aware of that sort of dynamic. Yeah. And, yeah, he definitely he definitely like uses that to his advantage. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty great actually. Again, it's a well thought out approach. Mm. Every every aspect considered, pretty mm. great. And that was the thing that I felt watching this movie. Like this is a total movie. A lot of times you'll see a movie where it doesn't feel complete. Like it feels like certain things kind of fell into place, maybe, but it doesn't feel like everything was meant to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. Whereas watching this movie by the end scene, I was like this whole thing was like a jigsaw puzzle that he put together. Does that, do you guys get that same sense or? Yeah. At the end of the day, this was my first experience with Fassbender. And I must say, I'm going to search out other movies by him because I found Good. this to be very intriguing and very compelling. May oh, I make uh, some recommendations? Yes, yeah, please. That was going to be the next question, but I mean, I, well, there was one thing we talked about off mic that I wanted to make sure we cover. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Um, that there's so, lots of male nudity in this movie. So this movie has a certain amount of male nudity and Adriana, I think very intelligently pointed out that dudes well, a lot of let's put it this way: a lot of straight hetero dudes like me and Josh mm. will put up with an unending sea of titties and uh, and Butts. ass. Yeah. Although you really get more titties than ass in movies, but <laughs> if there's a ratio, but it's go more on. that whatever. So uh, let's put it this way: all number of topless women. Mm-hmm. And then there's like two dicks in a movie, and we're like, "This movie's full of dicks. There are so many dicks." <laughs> and and I and I think that's a fair thing to point out. And I am of a really mixed mind about it because on right. one hand, it's true. There there you know women, especially let's put it this way in American filmmaking. 
There's a lot more uh, <coughs> uh, cis female nudity mm-hmm. than there is uh, uh, cis male nudity. And then trans nudity almost never in films, period. Yeah. So, Unless it's for shock value. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like to freak out an audience. And so on one hand, I think you're right that like we are overly sensitive to penises because we don't see them a lot. I'm a little weird about that because I don't like penises. So like this <laughs> this unfair balance benefits me because I right. really enjoy one thing and I really disenjoy the other. Uh, but it's just true. That's just the fact of the I matter. Know. But the reality is you pointing it out really is true. I was watching this movie thinking like, especially because the director's in it and not a lot of directors were like, okay, in this shot, I really want my dick to be swinging for a while. So, like, let's have a long shot of me naked. Like, not a lot of directors would take that chance, I feel like. Um, so, in my head, I'm going, like, man, yeah, there's some penises in this movie. But then when you say, like, well, but think about female nudity in any other movie, the ratio is still not there. This is a movie in which we're focused on gay men for the most part. And it's a sexual movie. There's sex in the movie. And yet... There's really not that much. If this was a film, if this was an American production from now uh, with heterosexuals in it, there'd be so much female nudity. The the whole club would be ladies. They wouldn't have any tops on, you know, and we wouldn't see any dicks. There'd be no dicks at all. So I, I think that's one thing to like, I think I need to keep more in mind when I'm watching films like this is like, how have I been conditioned to expect one thing and not the other? I think also you have to consider the director. Right. You have to consider how meticulous it seems that Fassbender is with his direction in these right. movies. So even though it's just like, seems like, you know, oh, nudity is happening. I feel as though that was very germane to the plot. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah in terms of, you know, it's, it's place in the story, right? right? Like that happens at the, uh, the spa place when they're yeah. in the mud. Right and like well, and we see Max, right? Like yeah, that, that who Max is in that scene is the dude in the mud who to was going to throw a lot. He is going to throw a look right. at every dude who walks by, yeah. right? And and like mid sentence, like he's like talking to Fox, and then oh, here's a naked gentleman. Hello there, sir. Like <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's Fox doesn't matter as much as any random dick. Any right. random dick walking past is as important to Max. As this guy he knows in real life. That like, he's who, talking to. Yeah, exactly. Having a conversation with I thought father. that was very revealing. I mean, yeah. this I actually think you could do a whole study in the movie about... I think Max is actually a very complicated character. He is. And I, I think he's he is the only person in Eugen's group where you think maybe kind of... That you kind of empathize for in some way, or at least I did, because he's he's the only one who actually seems like... He he cares about Franz a little bit. Well, I, this is why I found him complicated, right? Mm-hmm. He struck me as the kind of character who um, has sympathy for Franz, but is more than willing to take what he wants. Yeah, yeah. And he's part of this thing, but he also and the scene in which I feel like that's played off in a metaphorical way mm. is when Franz and Eugen are breaking up and max is just there as a as a observer yeah and during that sequence i felt like max either represents the audience Mm -hmm. or represents fassbender as the director in the sense of like 
I have so much compassion for you, but I'm not going to stop this horrible yeah, thing yeah, yeah, right. that I know is happening. Well, I mean, and like, then even at the end, that's I don't want to get involved. Like, yeah. It's like Max is the only one who sees who Fox is for real and mm. sees the tragedy long before it really gets going and but knows he the work. stop it. I mean, really, Philip is part of this thing, and yeah. Philip doesn't fucking get it. Like, it takes a while for Philip to figure out, like, exactly the what's con. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing a long con. But yeah. Max knew from the beginning, like, oh, okay, We're gonna I see what you're thing. doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, but then the scene at the party when Philip's like, oh, I'm gonna live here soon. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think when they're making out at the suit store, Philip's figured out. Yeah, yeah. oh, things are... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, for Philip, it's actually an issue of trusting Eugen. Mm. I think Philip is willing to accept that this is a work, but some part of him is like, what still jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not until they're making out at the suit store that I think Philip is like fully on board. Whereas mm. I almost feel like Max gets the furniture hookup because Max knows from the get-go that this is a So it's kind of like a he's got to hook Max up yeah. because Max is like I know what the fuck is going on here, man. But see, but that's what makes that scene when they're breaking up so weird or or at least so much more potent for Max because first of all, he's wearing a white suit. Right. And when it happens, he walks up behind Fox and he like puts his arm around him. Yeah. In like this like benevolent comforting way. I mean, yeah, if 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 in a different scenario, you could argue that Max represents all kind. I, that whole scene, Max's presence gives it a um, uh, interpretive, abstract feel. It mm-hmm. almost, and the camera movements also. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Shot, and the last scene where they're all sort of like the last part shot where they're all sort of like sitting, almost arranged like a like a painting. Yeah, where he's at the pinball machine and. You have Fox laying on the stairs, and then Max comes over and, like, hugs his head. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about it. No, I was thinking when they were outside, they're in this sunken area that looked like it'd be sick to skateboard. Yeah, and you're looking, the camera's looking down. There's a the skateboard, yeah. There's a pinball machine there? Yeah, dude. Or some kind of arcade. It looks like a pinball machine. I literally didn't fucking notice that. Yeah, dude. Fucking, um, what's-his-name goes to, yeah. Oigen goes and starts playing a pinball machine while... Franz is laid out on the fuck was that outside? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Bizarre, but it... It's very much like a... uh, Some kind of stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I mean, Fassbender's theater background, I think, comes into play a lot in this film with Mm. the composition of the shots. And also, he he is not overly interested in in hiding the the camera or, like, the fact that you're watching a movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so, so before I got on that whole tangent... So, yeah, uh, so Adriana, if you were to suggest other movies by Fassbender, what would you suggest? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, uh, as we discussed earlier, he was a, a remarkably prolific filmmaker, yeah, and was. his films um, span a whole spectrum of genre, of tone. Um, I mean, I guess it really just depends, like, what your tastes are. But I, th- I think... What would you suggest? A lot of, well, my my go-to after this would be The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Oh, right, right, right. I don't think I've seen it, but I've definitely seen the box. Uh, it's great. Yeah, okay. Um, And, and, it, and it's interesting. It's uh, all-female cast, and the majority of the film takes place in one room. Whoa. And so the the camera also gets very creative. the The cinematographer for a lot of Fassbender's films uh, is Michael Ballhaus or Ballas. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he uh, he shot a bunch of films for Scorsese too. And that's interesting. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, 
and he 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 and Fassbender I think worked really well together. They they both had a really good eye and just a good synergy. Yeah, good synergy. All right. Uh, and so besides that, uh, let me think. The third generation. If you like political satire, definitely check that out. Um, and if you want to see Udo Kier in like amazing drag, right? Third generation. Um, let me think. Well, I mean, all his films that were sort of insp- like inspired by Douglas Sirk melodrama are also great. Ali Fury, Fury eats the soul is kind of his version of All That Heaven Allows. Okay. Um. Uh, the BRD trilogy, which is um, the marriage of Maria Braun, uh, Lola and Veronica Voss, those are really good films too. They all. It's kind of like Fassbender's statement about Germany, mm. and sort of the the. You know, he felt that you know what the whole economic miracle thing was in Germany, like after. After the war, there was this period of like rapid yeah. economic recovery, yeah. and the country was appeared to be moving forward, but they could they just could not deal with their complicity in World War II. Sure, and Fassbender yeah. had a lot of feelings about that, and he addressed that frequently in his films. And then the BRD trilogy is sort of like where he did that most obviously. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, I would say all of those. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds. There's good. a lot. I like yeah. honestly. He's he's a filmmaker who I I mean I I haven't seen all of his films, but I've seen like about twenty or so, and wow. there's not a single one I don't like, and I can't say that really about any other filmmaker. But he's also so prolific that you've seen twenty films. It's still not... Yeah, that's not even scratching... I mean, he had 20 films under his belt when he made this movie, yeah, and he doubled that by the time he died six or seven years later. Yeah. So I, th- I think to some extent, um, that's part of the interesting thing about asking you for, like, where do people start? It's like, there's so much. <laughs> yeah, it's really... It's kind of like when someone asks you, where do like, I start with the Melvins? Yeah, or where or do like, I start with Guided by Voices? Like, I don't know. Where do I start with... Food that tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an- that broad. The, the, the answer to that is tacos. Tacos. If anyone's Always out there tacos. wondering, where do I start with food that tastes good? You start, tacos. You start with tacos. You then move to pho. <laughs> Follow that with pizza. Uh-huh. And then it's time for ramen. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Adriana, thank you for being on the yes, show. Yes, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate Thank that. you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, and it's fun to talk to you guys, even though I don't think I'm especially eloquent. You're totally but... eloquent. Dude, stop it. And I you have so much say, more insight than us. I can honestly say I don't think Cinepunks would be what it is without you. Yeah, that's... Wow. Like, well, yeah, but that's obvious, though. That's the truth. That's not even deep. That's I not still got to say it, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's um, not even deep. It's not even deep. It's not Man. even that great. Um, no, I, but I do think, though, even on this, like... Uh, we wouldn't have watched a, f- a Fassbender movie. I know that, I, I that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, for um, sure. We wouldn't have had the insights that you had, and uh, and we probably would have talked about dicks. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So yeah, so you have to come back on the show, and we have to talk about more stuff. I would love to. I would lo- I would love it if you were a regular guest. And I think that we need to uh, 
probably do more Fassbender as well. Oh, for sure. But we haven't yeah. even done our Bergman episode yeah, yet, which dude, was, that's by the way, coming. that's what people voted for. We Bergman. got the most votes for Bergman, less votes for... I mean, I'm kind of team Greenway. I love both of them, but I feel like uh, Greenway is sig- significantly less... I think this wasn't... Pop. I think this wasn't clear. <laughs> It's not that we're not going to do Greenaway ever. It was it's just, just what's next. for the right. next yeah. one. Right. Yeah. But people kept making, like, only a few people made arguments, but the arguments they made were kind of like, Everybody as if, as if like, about. this would, like, if we didn't do Bergman next, then that's it. Then yeah. That's it for Bergman. <laughs> we're never going to talk about a Bergman film. Yeah. It's no, like, no. no, we just want to figure out what we're doing next. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you, everyone, who, yeah. who answered that uh, poll. Um, thank you to all our listeners, and thank yep. you to LVAC, who, uh, despite Liam's work ethic, has pledged undying love for us. Yep. For me. And um, Yeah, but Chris Reject sucks. Fuck you, Chris. Also, if you're, uh, if you're happy with what we are doing for you, please rate, review, subscribe. Yep. And then there's the currency that really means a lot to us, uh, I guess, by numbers, but also we like talking to you guys, so hit us up. Yeah, hit us up on all forms of social medias. Uh, and also, uh, big ups to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please check out our Patreon uh, if you uh, support us on Patreon, please uh, remind us if we owe you things because I am <laughs> regularly forgetting. Um, and uh, please tell your friends about us. Yep, and that's it. Episode eighty-two. Talk to you guys later. Smoke bomb! Smoke bomb! Smoke bomb!